Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 102. It's up here. <clears throat> I will sing, I will sing, sure, I will sing. I will read the question and uh, we'll all read the answer. What do we pray for in the second request? In the second request, which is your kingdom come, we pray that Satan's kingdom may be destroyed, that the kingdom of grace may be advanced and ourselves and others brought into it and kept in it, and that Christ's return and the kingdom of glory may come quickly. Amen. <clears throat> Let's take time now for our congregational prayer. Let us pray. Lord, uh, we are, we just come before you, the Almighty King, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth, who set the sun, the moon, and the stars in place. Thank you, Father, for who you are, the Almighty God, the only God. We praise and thank you that you allow us to to come before your throne today, every day, at any time. Thank you, Lord. We come here together corporately. Lord, we confess our sins. We ask that you would forgive them. Lord, uh, and we know that you do, according to your word, as we heard this morning. And we are so thankful, Lord, for what you do in our lives. And we pray and thank you for that, Lord, for health and strength for a chance to worship you in freedom, the opportunity to give back, to, <clears throat> that we have opportunity to work and earn a living. We thank you for that. We thank you for our church family. It is so, so giving. And I can specifically say that this week as with Brenda having broken her wrist and the, and the, the family of prayer, um, I'm so thankful for our family, our church family, Lord, and, and all the prayers that went out and, and the meals that have been sent. Hallelujah. And I know each one of us can think of things that we are so thankful for that this congregation has done for each one of us. And we are so thankful, Lord. Thank you for church family. May we continue to always remember each other. Those that are here today, those that can't be here, those that are shut in, those that are sick. Lord, uh, we just, we certainly lift up those that are not doing well. And we pray for healing. We think of those that are shut in and need a visit, need a phone call. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would touch us and remind us of who they are so that we may pick up the phone or that we may drive over and say hello. And we thank you. Lord, we think of our country. And we just pray, Lord, that you will help us to find our way back to you because we have lost our way. And Lord, we just ask that you would forgive us as a country and heal our land. Lord, we just... Uh, We know there's many other things that we can bring before you. But right now, 
we are just going to pray the prayer that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay. A um, few things going to be a little different this morning. And uh, we all set? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to have a few people come up and uh, read some scripture and share a little bit and pray. And then uh, we're going to ask uh, Tim and Michelle to come up then and, uh, and finish with uh, him. But uh, at this time, we also want you to be aware that as these people come up and pray, if there's something on your mind that you feel you want to bring to the church, you're going to be uh, allowed to do that also. So anyway, uh, I'm going to call on Mark Jones right now to get us started. When, when Pastor Brian fell ill, we uh, started texting and emailing uh, how we were going to cover the service Sunday. And so a few of the elders uh, selected some scripture. We're going to read the scripture and say a few words and then pray on it. And, um, and like, as Mike said, after that, we're going to turn it over to Timothy. And uh, we're going to encourage you all to share and give testimony and uh so there'll be a time for that. So put that on your hearts right now and, and uh, let down all your guys. It's a good Sunday to come up front and, and say a few things in the microphone because there's not a lot of people here. So if you're nervous, this is the day to do it. <clears throat> okay. Um, so, so the verses that I wanted to share um, that mean a lot to me is uh, Jesus healing the blind man chapter 10 in John and uh, I think it's just a great set of verses that tell you exactly who Jesus is and what he stands for and the whole context the whole background of this is he's talking to Pharisees who basically can't stand him okay they are the religious structure of the day and they are um, intimidated by this guy going around saying that he is the son of God and so he heals a blind man and the Pharisees decide that this is a good time to pick a fight with Jesus <clears throat> and I'm going to start chapter 10 it says um and again, he just healed the blind man. And the Pharisees, I'm, I'm back in, in verse 40, uh, chapter 9. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. <clears throat> I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber 
The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And so Jesus explains this to the disciples, uh, to the Pharisees, and for sure they have no idea what he's talking about. We here in what retrospect in 2022, we have all these blessings of the internet and, and all these scholars that have torn through the Bible and tried to disprove it and, and are not able to, and we know this story by heart, right? The Pharisees, they just don't get who this Jesus is. He has not been crucified yet. He, he has not risen from the dead. And so they're really struggling. And plus, they're getting uh, intimidated by this guy that is messing with their whole power structure, with their whole life. And so Jesus tries a second time. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and, if, and have it to the, to the full. I have this underlined so much I've crossed out some of the words. <clears throat> I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And again, he, he goes into the explanation uh, a third time. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from the Father. I mean, those are such strong words and it's just Jesus foretelling what's gonna happen to him and how he is saying, this is all orchestrated by God and I fully consented. You Pharisees, you're not gonna overtake me. You're not gonna do anything other than what God has planned. And of course, the Pharisees said, at these words, the Jews were divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? While others said, they are not, they are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are Christ, tell us plainly. 
And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I, the Father, are one. I and the Father are one. And it just goes on after that to say how the, uh, the Pharisees wanted to stone him. And uh, they did not get the chance to do that. Um, if you'd bow your heads now, I, I think, again, I just wanted to share that today because if anybody is new to Scripture and they don't know who Jesus is, boy, chapter 10 tells you exactly who he is and what he's all about. Just please bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, help, help us as sheep to respond to your voice. Help us to run away from strangers that might lead us astray. Help us to look to you, the gate that we would walk through. And help us to listen for your voice day in and day out, Lord, as there's many other things that can confuse us, Lord. Help us to focus on our shepherd's voice. Help us to recognize our shepherd's voice, God. <clears throat> and help us to be bold enough to know that we are chosen by you. We don't choose. Our security is in the power of the shepherd. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's such a privilege to be here and to be with all you people, uh, people I've known for almost half a lifetime and people I'm learning to know even better now. Um, I, I, was, um, I was a little bit surprised when Brian said he wouldn't preach this morning. And, and so at six o'clock in the morning, I got up and I tried to prepare a few things that I feel the Lord would have us to know. And I think they consist of three things that we often we forget. We don't keep them at the forefront of our minds. So I'm going to start at Psalm 32. And this is where David was contemplating his sins. And it says, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to thee and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and thou didst forgive the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not reach him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou dost preserve me from trouble. 
Thou dost surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. I was thinking of this because even David, a great king, who, who the Lord claimed, you know, had this a heart like his, you know, the, the Lord loved David hearts, but even he sinned, uh, and his sins affected his whole nation. And oftentimes we don't contemplate how our sins affect others. And we don't realize it, but we're all broken vessels. And unless we deal with that brokenness, with honesty, in confession, in, in, uh, in our conversations, with our family, with friends, in asking uh, forgiveness of somebody when we have offended them, unless we walk in that understanding of our brokenness, we won't draw near to the throne of grace to be forgiven and renewed, as David says that when he confessed his sins, the Lord lifted him and forgave him the guilt of his sin and lifted him, him out of them so that he could be a benefit to others because he understood the forgiveness himself that the Lord had given him. That's one thing that we forget sometimes when we're with other people who, um, whose lives are really broken. We think that they're really broken, but we don't remember the brokenness where we came from. We don't remember the things that the Lord has lifted us out of. And so we have a tendency to maybe like in a football game, stiff arm them and pick them out of our lives. When the Lord might be calling us to go out to them because they need us. They need the forgiveness of the Lord. They, they need the messengers that we're supposed to be. And that's the next thing that the Lord showed. It says in Surakhan, in 2 Corinthians, verse, chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Chapter 5, here we go. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, we've got a job to do. A lot of times 
We get so caught up in everything that we like to do, whether it's golf, uh, I don't know, swimming, it could be, uh, it could be tennis, it could be, it could be anything. But we forget that we've got a job to do. We have a job of reconciling others to Christ so that they, their brokenness might be healed like our brokenness was. When you realize that God loves you so much that he sent his only son in the world to die for your sins, it's an overwhelming feeling of wonder and awe that God would love me, you, that much that he would send his only son to pay the price of our sins. And when, when a person receives that, his life becomes one of overwhelming surprise and joy. Sometimes we forget that overwhelming surprise and joy ourselves. But when we remember it, you know, the Holy Spirit calls us back to go out so that someone else might have that joy. And also we forget about where we're going. Okay. Let's go to Hebrews. 1116. He says, there's, he's talking about the people of faith. He says, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Okay. Let's go to 2 Peter 3, 13 through 14. It says, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to his wisdom given to you, wrote to you. Okay. We're, are, we're looking for a heavenly city that God is going to provide for us to live in. And we're going to live with him forever. If we don't remember these things, we'll be... Uh, and communicating these things to others, you will be neglecting your responsibility for the lives and well-being, the eternal life and well-being of others. That's the urgency that is involved. That is um, uh, what we need to look forward to, what we need to have reminding us each and every day. Because look at all these white hairs. You see these white hairs? A lot of us got white hairs. You know? We're not staying here. In a, we're a puff. But God has granted us eternal life in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he proved it by raising from the dead. So why are we worried so much about this life? Why are we not communicating to others the importance of our salvation and returning our hearts to our original love when, when you know, when you first are forgiven of your sins, the first time uh, that you come to know the Lord, you're just like overwhelmed with forgiveness and joy. 
But, you know, we get like a little stale because we get involved in our own lives. We forget about that joy. You know, we need to remind ourselves. We need to lift up others because, so that they might share in that joy. And, and that's what our lives need to be about. I'm going to finish with one scripture. It's 1 Peter. I got to put my glasses back on. <laughs> it's 1 Peter. Chapter 2. Verses 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God, and you, have, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, God took the weight of the law and placed it on the nation of Israel. But we as Gentiles didn't have to carry that burden. Instead, we, we are commissioned to carry the announcement, the gospel of freedom from having to carry the burden of the law because Christ carried that burden for us. And, then, and through the nation of Israel, Christ came into the world. You know? So we have a great burden lift, lifted from us, but we have been commissioned to be ambassadors of that to others, to our families, to neighbors, to friends. And, and Christ is preparing a city for us to dwell in, in righteousness. And when we die, those of us who know the Lord, we're not going to pass into death. We're going to pass into a life more wonder wonderful than we have ever imagined. And, and we forget about these things because we get involved too much in the affairs of this life. Let's, let's take time to remember what Christ has done for us so that we might be freed from the burdens of this life enough to do the, the job he has called us to do. And that's to go out and present the gospel. And I've failed these things many times myself. You know, we all come from brokenness. But God takes our brokenness and he fills it in with his love. And that's what inspires us to go out to others. That's what it inspires us to continue with broken families, argumentative neighbors, uh, all the, all the uh, ills of this life. You know, let's, let's go before the Lord in just a, a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please help us in our many failings. We confess to you, Lord God, many times we have failed, Lord, to communicate the love of your Son and what it means to us, to others. We pray by our actions and words and efforts, Lord God, that we, you would help us to do that, to proclaim your Son. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us walk with you in kindness and in humility that you have called us to be. A humble people who have been broken because we realize our sins have offended you greatly. 
and prevented us from loving others. We want to come out of them, Lord. We want to come out of sin. Please help us to do so so others might see the joy that, that remains in our hearts, in our minds, and where it comes from. It comes from knowing you and knowing that you shed your blood for our sins. You have forgiven us, Lord God, and commissioned us to present that truth to others. Please help us to do that, Lord, um, and help us in our failings to do that. Um, but help our failings not to be so, so much. Help us to overcome them more and more so we become a better reflection of your loving kindness to others each and every day. For this we beg of you uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am one of a very few words, but I can read scripture and I can pray, and so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this scripture, and then I'm going to pray this scripture essentially over us. Uh, this comes from 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the rich righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, has received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need to be godly. For a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promise so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that the, they are, have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your call, calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive the rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'd ask you to bow your head. Father, we do... Uh, we do acknowledge, Lord, that you have given us these things. You declare here in your word through your apostle Simon Peter that, that we possess these things, Lord, and that we are to, to use these things and to seek them because we have been 
cleansed from the from the evil and sin that uh, dwelt in us, Lord God. And now we are able to to live lives in a way that uh, glorifies your holy name. So I do pray that you would give us even in more abundance goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness, mutual affection and love, especially love, Lord God. Fill us, Lord, with with your spirit. We do have hearts of flesh. You've given us hearts of flesh that we might do these things, Lord God, that we would be able to resist the devil and his fiery arrows. Lord God, I pray that you would fill us with these characteristics and that we would live lives before you, declaring Jesus Christ Savior of the world to our friends and all that we come in contact with, Lord, that they would know that we are saved and that we would give them the hope, the promise of Jesus Christ. Fill us, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit. I pray these things in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I didn't prepare a teaching like Dan and Bob did, and I'm certainly not as articulate as Dan, but if you guys will permit me a story that's been on my heart for the last couple days. Um, Scripture I have is from James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So I work in Portage County, and the area in which my office is has a, I would say, higher than normal populace of homeless individuals. And it's not atypical for us to come in on a morning to see one or two people huddled outside of the office. The way we're set up is there's a small overhang over the sidewalk that provides a level of natural shelter. There's a nice little outlet, so if they needed to plug something in, and the fact that our Wi-Fi extends that far enough comes in handy for some people as well. Um, so. Thursday morning, for those of you who will remember, was painfully cold. It was a whopping 12 degrees on the thermostat, which means it was probably single digits um, with the wind chill. And our team came in, as usual, and, and somebody was out front in that barely overhang overhang, huddled in a mass of blankets. So one of my employees did what we traditionally do, and he said, okay, I'm gonna take out some coffee, some snacks, just some little tokens of, of offering that we can to help out, thinking that this was an individual who is usually out there. So she comes back inside and says, this is somebody different. We've never seen her before. She looked like she was probably in her mid-20s to late 30s, and that's traditionally a lot younger than what we see. Um, normally, we see predominantly gentlemen out there in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And this one, this young individual was much younger and, and was a younger girl. So 
we did what we traditionally do. We, we took out food, we took out coffee, we offered, hey, if you want to come in for a little bit, by all means, get warm. Normally, when that offering is made, the individuals don't take us up on it. I don't know if it's a perception of, hey, we don't want to rock the boat with the business or we don't want to be a burden. Historically, as long as you know there are blankets and there's food and something warm to drink, then that's what it, what it is. And, and this young individual kind of said the same thing. You know, we appreciate everything. You know, and she had turned to my employee and said, "Hey, you know, it's it's really cool. I didn't think there was any nice people left in the world." So didn't think of anything of it. I was one on I was on one of my 52 Zoom calls for the day, and I heard her crying out in the lobby. That's weird. And in the bank, we have people who cry, but not usually out in the middle of the lobby. So we went out, and it, it was the girl. And she was sharing that the backpack that she had, which contained all of her worldly possessions left, somebody had run by and taken it. And she was at a loss. She had nowhere to go. She had been out on the streets for some time. And had nothing left, no ID, nothing, had nothing. And I remember in that moment saying, okay, what, what can we do? And I don't mean from a business standpoint, because unfortunately the corporate world spells out what you can and can't do, but there are enough Christians and believers on my team that we usually can go pretty rogue and put together some type of plan to help out. So uh, one of my employees started calling around to the local warming shelters. In Portage County, again, with the volume of individuals that are struggling right now, is in a pretty dire state. Um, the homeless shelters are either completely filled or are taking a less of a capacity because of COVID and while it's going on. And even the shelters that are open are not open during the day because the idea is, okay, this is a overnight protection. Well, when the temperature's five degrees, it's little consolation that the sun is up. So um, again, one of my employees started calling around for majority of the morning, called every shelter in Portage County, called the local police department. Both local police department said, hey, you know, we sympathize, there's really nothing we can do, sorry. So we started casting the net a little wider, called Summit County, called Mahoney County. We started counting counties up in Cleveland just to find a location that she could have a warm bed overnight. Nothing. They either didn't answer the phone, they weren't open, or they had no availability. And I remember this feeling of despair just creeping over. So I, I went to God, I had to find a quiet place, which unfortunately my office is the bathroom, it's the only place that somebody doesn't track you down and ask you questions. Um, maybe not the most appropriate place for prayer, but I don't know that in the moment that God really cared. And I said, God, you need to do something here. We have enough people who are ready to be obedient, but we're out of options, we're out of ideas, our human capacity is failing, and we need you to do something because the only other option in five hours is turning this girl back out into single degree temperature. And all God said was, I got it. Okay, sweet God, I need something a little bit more than that. And he did. So within minutes, he reminded me that we have a friend who works directly with a rescue center here in the Youngstown area. And he said, well, why don't you give her a call or send her a message? So we did. 
sent Robbie a message and said, hey, by any chance does the rescue mission in Youngstown have any availability? And I don't know what Robbie's day looks like. She could have taken five hours to get back to me, but I got a message back in about three minutes that said, hey, here's a phone number, here's the process, go for it. And what transpired over the course of the next two to three hours was God. It was God revealing himself to say, when I told you I have it, I mean it, all you have to do is shut up and be obedient. So we in invited the young girl over to a desk to put her on the phone with the rescue mission to see if she was eligible. Now again, I, this girl was residing in Portage County, rescue missions in Mahoning County. There's so many things that could have gone wrong to say that she wasn't eligible, they didn't have any openings. But lo and behold, God came through and the rescue mission in Mahoning Valley had an opening and they were willing to, to take her. That's awesome. So now it's a matter of finding a way, it's about an hour drive to, to get her there. Police department said, no, that's not a service that we provide. I didn't feel entirely comfortable having my female employees take the, her myself. I mean, obviously as a male, I wasn't gonna do that. It was not appropriate. So again, God, you need a solution here that we're not thinking of. Well, in the meantime, one of my clients, who is very well off, pulls us aside and says, hey, what's the story with a girl that's crying in the corner? We shared a little bit about, you know, she's, she's down on her luck, you know, we're, we're trying to put together something for her just to get her a warm bed. And he says, okay, leaves, don't think anything of it, come back in an hour, and we look over, and he's sitting with her. He had went to the store to pick her up gift cards, to pick her up resources. And it was amazing to watch this transpire. And again, just to reiterate, when God says he's got it, he means that. And I think sometimes I know I take it for granted and others take it for granted. Over the course of the next couple hours, we had four different individuals outside of the team that was already working together, pulled together to take this girl to get her clothes, to get her supplies, to get her things. Again, we take for granted the feminine needs, toothpaste, you know, the, the things that might have been in that backpack wherever it disappeared to. An entire community came together, believers and non-believers in this particular case, because we asked God for a way. So ended up putting together, you know, putting this together and, and arranged for an Uber to drive her from where she was at to the rescue mission. So as we're, as we're helping this girl kind of load everything up into her car, she shares that almost in passing, you know, this morning I was, I was at my end and I don't know if I believe, but all I said, God, if you're there, you send one nice person to help me out. And God sent a lot more than, than one person. And at the end of the day, I, I won't know the end of her story. I would love to say that, hey, we were able to all get down on our knees in the middle of Main Street and and she accepted Jesus, and I don't know what the end of the story would be. And, and truth be told, the one thing that I'm, I'm learning as I get older is we are absolutely not in charge of outcomes. God's got the outcomes. We are only in charge with following what he tells us to do as faithfully as possible and leaving the rest to him. 
but I know in that moment that my own faith was magnified because we were ready at that point to give up. We were out of ideas and falling before God, he said, just be still. Just let me take care of it and just do your will. So I wanted to lift her up. I want to lift up all of those. Father, this morning, I think of Crystal Carpenter. I think of the seven-year-old that she lost custody of many years ago. I think of that moment of desperation, sitting outside of a bank, huddled beneath a blanket, and seeing what meager possessions that she had disappear in an instant. And I'm so grateful that her first inclination was turned to you. And I pray that that is a seed. I pray that wherever her life takes her, whether she turns her life around, whether she continues to struggle for a while, whatever the outcome, that that seed grows in her and that she has the opportunity to know you from a place of desperation to a place of praise and worship. And I thank you, Lord, for all of the opportunities you give us. And I repent of the opportunities that are out there that I miss or that I don't see or that we don't take advantage of. We talk sometimes about how we want to preach the gospel, and certainly that's important. And I think sometimes we're looking for grand opportunities and we miss those small moments that can truly change a life. And I pray that you give us the wisdom, that you give us the foresight to recognize those moments when we are grabbed. As it says in James, faith without works is dead. I pray that through our actions, Lord, not that those are saving in and themselves, and we know that, but it's in those moments and those acts of kindness that your kingdom is manifested.